I call it the fucking podcast because I couldn't find a better name for it. And this kind of like segment that we're getting into is like before they were famous. And it just, I wanted to interview people that I know that are in certain fields that are on the up and coming and that are really good at what they do. So I recently interviewed my uh, friend Devin. He's a up and coming real estate agent in Dallas. I have my friend John Carter with three R's, say it right. And he is an up and coming (laughs) artist in Southern California, and now I'm here with Taylor Donahue from Southern California, Hi. but currently lives in Hawaii, and she's an up-and-coming artist, but before we get into that, I'd like to kind of talk about your background, so I mean, I don't know who you'll share this with, I don't know who knows you like that, but I know that you used to play basketball before, and you were a pretty dominant basketball player in Southern California, tell me how that went, and how you started, and what led you to basketball. Um... I actually started playing basketball when I was a freshman in high school. Mm. I didn't play. I played for, like, half a season in fourth grade, I think, maybe fifth grade. And I, like, my – one of my, like, really good friends, uh, who's, like, maybe the fifth game of the season, she, like, chased me down on a fast break and, like, jumped on me and, like, fouled me, like, kind of as a joke, like, because we were, like, buds. Like, we still are. Um, and I like, you know, fell and I like fractured my growth plate or something in my elbow. So I told my mom, I was like, I'm never playing that sport again. (laughs) And, um, I played softball my like entire life up until freshman year. And then I walked into the gym on like freshman orientation day and like in the back corner, like the dark corner with like spider webs that nobody like walks by this like six, eight, like just like huge guys, like waving me down. And, um, I was like, mom, do you know him? And she was like, no. And she was like 20 bucks. That's a basketball coach. And I was like, no, no, like no way. I was like, I'm not going to go talk to him if it's the basketball coach. Like that's not happening. Um, and I talked to him and he got me on the team and, um, yeah, everything's kind of history from there. Uh, I didn't know that. I thought you were honestly, I mean, I knew you were athletic, but I thought you played basketball <laughs> early on. No, no, I was, I was a pitcher and I like, yeah, that was, that was everything. That's all I did. Yeah. I mean, and a little soccer here and there, but. Yeah. You said you played, you didn't start playing basketball until high school, but you've had your hand in other sports. Softball was a big priority and then maybe a little bit of soccer here and there, but. How did that come up? Were you, like, forced into it? You know, go back through that process for me. Um, no, not at all. It was a weird, it was weird. I just, I felt like I needed to do it because all I've, like, you know, in my eighth grade mind, I was, like, hearing 
all these people say, do as much as you can, like do as much as you can freshman year, like first few years, like get involved, like do all this. And like coach Matt, I like, I, I love him. He is like a father figure and he like, he taught me everything. Like I literally, I have pictures of my first game going up for layups, like with the wrong leg, with the wrong knee in the air. Like, it was ridiculous. So I went from like not being able to dribble and breathe at the same time to like here because of him. Um, but he, I don't know that conversation in the gym. He, he's very convincing and he works with women very well. Like in, he just like, he's a good women's coach and like a lot of people are intimidated by that. Cause they just don't understand how like well he works with us, but it's like, he's like our dad and it just, it's comfortable and we want to work hard for him. And like, that's why we were so successful. I feel like, so I don't know. It was convincing. And he was like, Oh, I'll, you know, like, I'm going to get you to run faster to first base. I was like, cool. <laughs> like for sure. Like, I don't know. Right. So I just kind of went into it. Um, just, gas pedal all the way down and (laughs) yeah you know a lot of college athletes usually play some type of club ball or basketball outside of high school did you do that as well did that help with like exposure how did that get you how did that get you to where you are right now (laughs) um I yeah I played I didn't play club my first year because I was still playing softball so my freshman year I played both in high school and then I played club softball um, cause my mom was my coach and well, that wasn't the reason, but that was like why I kept with it, <laughs> right. I guess. And, um, so yeah, I, I didn't play all summer and I was like miserable cause I loved running and I loved it's 12 like, o'clock. the contact. Oh, what was his name? Jeffrey. Jeffrey. What's up my boy. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, it was the physicality and like, just everything about the game is so different than softball and like anything I've ever played, obviously. So it was just like very attractive to me, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like running right. and a lot of tall girls don't. And that was like my advantage. Um, yeah. So that was my freshman year. I'm getting back to the question. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Then after my freshman year of summer, like going into my sophomore year, I was all basketball. And then I played for the same coach during the summer, the following year. Um, and then we won CAF, like did all that. It was like my favorite year of high school. I love, like I, one of my best friends is, the four from the starting five and we like still have our like two man game going. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was, it worked out in a way where like it was not overwhelming. So I wasn't like scared off, you know? So that was like a good starting point like made my connections, like got my game up. And then my junior year I played, I drove down to La Jolla every weekend, all summer long, Wow! like multiple times a week, 
to play with a club program down there um, out of Country Day, which, like, shout out to them. Uh, like, angels on earth, those coaches and the girls, like, m- are my family forever. And that was, you know, four months of my life. Um, so I grew a lot as a person and in my game, obviously. And then I got recruited that summer a lot. I had a few offers um, from the previous year, but um, I, like, really got recruited that summer. And that was when I got an offer from Hawaii. And, yeah, I didn't want to come here at all. But my mom was like, are you going to really miss three days, like, paid for, like, in Hawaii? Like, And I've always wanted to surf in Waikiki, like, since I was – since I started surfing. Right. So I was, like, six. So she's like, you're really going to pass that up, like, just because you don't want to tour the school, like, just because it's, like, far or you're scared or whatever. And I was like, okay, like, you're right. And, like, we went straight to the campus, and I fell in love. And I was like, damn, like, this is it. <laughs> so yeah. what other offers did you have? I never really knew anything about your other offers. I just thought, you know. Oh, jeez. Let me, like, dig in my brain really fast. Um, UNLV was my first one. I love them there. I love those coaches. Um, U of A, slow, Davis, like, down the coast in my conference, like, West Coast Conference. I don't know. I was getting looks, like, mid-major, which was, like, really cool and, like, humbling. Yeah coming from, you know, nothing two years prior. (laughs) (laughs) But they saw, they saw my build and like how fast I ran. Honestly, like I didn't do much, but I could run. So they're like, okay, like we can work with you, you know, defense, offense, whatever. No, I'm, I'm a good defense player. So they were like, we can work with the offense and like, you know, I can get there point A to point B. Yeah. So, (laughs) so fast forward, you get to Hawaii, you're a freshman on campus. How did that experience go as far as, you know, school life, social life, and athletics? Oh, geez. It was, there was no social life. It was just me, my team, school all the time. And practice, obviously. Um, that was, it was an exhausting year for sure, to say the least. And like collegiate athletes know, that's just like, you kind of like get punched in the face when you walk in as a freshman, yeah. like whether you're ready or not. Like I, I thought I was well prepared and like I low key was, but it still was like a lot, but I was good with my time management with school and stuff. Cause I am, you know, I try and stay on top of my stuff. I don't like falling behind. So yeah. <laughs> that was the one thing I could control. So I studied and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, did you get any play as a true freshman? How did the like the play go? How was basketball specifically? <coughs> um, I got two concussions. Like, what was it? September and November. So that was like a slow start. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got some minutes and it was fun. Um, but like we, it was a rebuilding year. We lost six seniors um, before my class of six came in. So it was a whole different team. It was hard for the coach. It was hard for us. So um, we made the best of it. I made the best of it. Um, Like those memories I wouldn't trade for anything. So, yeah. 
And, you know, I don't know the exact story, but when I was getting tattooed by you, you told me that you had gotten medically, you had to medically retire because of you, you were having back problems. How did these back problems first start? Oh, geez. We were doing um, power cleans. Um, the end of my freshman summer. And, like, something tweaked. And, like, it, it felt like somebody, like, stuck a needle in my back. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like a really weird, like twinge pain. Like, I don't even know. And, uh, my trainer was like, Oh, like just ice bath. I was like, okay. And, but like, I could barely breathe when I ran. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Gotta love college trainers. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's a different conversation. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I played through it. Um, it was like bad for a week and then I played through it and, um, Come spring seat, like spring of my freshman year, it was like I couldn't. We would run upstairs and like do bleachers and stuff, and like I couldn't. I was good up the stairs. Like the hard part was cool. Like I I could work out that much, but like coming down the stairs, like when I would step with my left leg, I'd get this pain like from like the left part of my lower back down to my butt, and then like in the back of my knee, it was oh. this like weird like nerve shooting pain. And both my parents had back problems and they both actually had surgery like at separate times, but they were both from overuse and stuff. So mm-hmm. well, I didn't think that it was, um, what's the word? Like in the family or whatever. So, you know, ran through it, whatever. And then at the start of summer, I was sitting at dinner with my mom. I was home for the, you know, three weeks off that we get every year mm-hmm. and <laughs> we were sitting at dinner and I couldn't feel my left leg at all. Like randomly, like we were in the middle of a conversation, like middle of dinner, having a good time. And I was like, mm, I don't know where my left leg went. And I told my mom and she was like, okay, like, like I'm, I'm going to call dad, whatever. My dad's a PT. So like he has his like connects and I got an MRI and like my discs were messed up. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to get treated for that, but nothing worked. Like, nothing worked. And I had this, like, insane nerve pain, like, almost every day. So, like, <laughs> my whole life was just, like, this blur. Because I, like, wasn't sleeping. I was in pain all the time. It was a lot. And, um, but, like, I had support from my teammates, which was the absolute world. And, like, I still do, even though I'm not, like, affiliated with the program, which is like still the most meaningful thing to me. Um, but yeah, I actually found out Christmas this year that I broke my tailbone. So it's like deviated completely to the left. It's pushing up against another bone and the nerves are, yeah, it's not super fun. And I have a prescription to go get an x-ray and get this figured out, but I still haven't gone. Do you think you will? Are you just gonna, you know, rock with it? Yeah, exactly. And I'm I since I'm not um being forced to run lines and shit, I'm able to take care of my body and like be in touch with my soreness and like I'm doing yoga and like I my body has never felt this like healthy and like I could tell I can tell when I need to stretch down to like my ankle. Right. It's cool. So So, you know, after being medically retired you started to 
divulge more into your artistic side. Once I, I came over, I saw the the artsy paintings and the the drawings <laughs> and how long has that all been going over my for? house? Yeah, it's everywhere. I mean, <laughs> you walk in, you look to the left. There's a picture, a drawing, paintings everywhere. I mean, how long did that start? Or like, when did that start? How long has it been going for? I was actually just talking to my mom on the phone today. She's flying out tomorrow for my birthday, but um, we I I can't remember what we were talking about, but she told me, and it stuck with me. She goes, you know, I, I had control of you until you were 18 months old, and then one day I put overalls on you, and you screamed no so loud. And I think that's when I started to, like, do my own thing and just paint paint the walls paint my clothes paint my brother like mm-hmm. there's pictures of my brother covered in crayola marker like cu- like head to toe face tatted and everything and i there's stuff in my house that i drew and painted and all that and i didn't know how to write my name yet so <laughs> i've been doing that since ever So one of the questions I asked my friend John, I mean, he's not currently in school, kind of dropped out, deciding if he's going back to finish. Do you think that pursuing a major that is, you know, it's like art specified and majority like art focused, do you think that's very beneficial? Or do you think, you know, I don't want to say being a freelancer, but, you know, just doing your own thing and exploring the world could help your creativity more, which do you think like would help you more for your artistic side? Um, like in general, I do really believe that like talented people don't necessarily need to go to school. I don't, you know, general person doesn't really need to go to school. Like if you have common sense, like do your thing. But, um, I personally, within the past, like, two semesters especially, I've grown a lot, like, in my practice and in my imagination, creativity, whatever word you want to use, but, like, I've really changed my, I've grown, not changed, I've grown a ton, so taking the difficult classes and listening to the boring professors, like, did have, and it does have it's ups and downs, but the ups are for sure worth it in my eyes. But again, like circumstances are different. Like I get it. I, yeah. I honestly, if I wasn't on scholarship, I don't think I would stay in school. Cause I seriously hate, I hate going to class. Right. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. And being a creative minded person, it's hard for me to like have set times during the day to make stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, to have a schedule to, like, sit down and do it. It is, like, once once I, once I my stubborn butt sits down, sits down and does it, it normally, like, is productive. But um, <laughs> the whole process of getting there and forcing myself to do it is a lot. And, like, with basketball and stuff, that, that was probably the hardest thing, was finding enough energy and, like, motivation to go to those three hour studio classes after a three hour practice and an hour of lifting. Like (laughs) that level of exhaustion is unmatched. Right. So that leads, that was like, I was thinking this while you were talking, 
do you have an on-off switch for your creativity? Like, you know, does it take 15 minutes for you to, like, sit there and you have your aha moment? Or is, like, you walk in the door, you already know, like, you're already in that <laughs> space. How does that work for you? Um, honestly, it depends on the day. I think I don't really have, like, a normal mind, so I think I'm always in a creative space. Whether I'm doing something or not, like, I just have a very different brain from the normal person, I think. Yeah. Um, which makes it harder to function, but at the same time, the stuff that does come out of me is powerful. And I work in bulk. I, I was telling my friend this other day, like, my level of production, or my definition of production is very different than a normal student or a normal 21 year old because I, it takes a lot of processing and feeling and whatever word to get to a really concentrated creative space. Right. Like on Valentine's day, I went out to dinner and I had a conversation with the waiter and I was so freaking inspired. I came home and did art seriously from like nine to, I think I was done at like two thirty. Wow. Yeah. And I got like five canvases done. Wow. So I work in bulk and it, it's a blessing and a curse, but, um, yeah. So do you like, <laughs> I don't know throw it up on the canvas or is usually direction when you're going you know like if I start drawing it usually starts off as like you know squares and then those squares turn into triangles and then when I see that I can make something out of that or like I'll start with two circles you know what I'm saying like yeah, it kind of has a direction but at the same time it doesn't does yours just like do that or do you just you have a direction <laughs> you know um most of the time when I'm really inspired over something, like, it is just a vomit. Like, my leg, I just, the piece I just tattooed on myself, that was an explosion. That wasn't even a vomit. That was an explosion. Like, I I sat down because I had an appointment for my hand the next day. This was Saturday last week. Um, I, like, and I needed to sit down and draw it. And I really didn't want to, mm -hmm. but it, it was one of those days where I like set some time apart to draw it. Cause I like, I knew what I wanted, right? but just, you know, stopping my life and sitting down to draw something that I already saw in my head perfectly was just not, not it. So I forced myself to sit down and I was like looking through some tattoos and, um, I saw a picture of a moon and I was, I looked at a picture of my mom and I earlier and it just, it was there. It was the weirdest thing. And I, like, I stopped what I was doing. I had dishes I needed to do. Like I need, I had stuff I needed to get done, but I stopped everything, drew that. It took me like two and a half hours to draw it. And then like an hour to stencil it perfectly. And then two hours to like set up tattoo myself and break down so that was stuff like that happens and it's weird and my family like they're genuinely concerned when that does happen because there there were days in high school where I either wouldn't sleep so I would like go downstairs and start making stuff but I would 
I would paint for 12 hours at a time. Really? Wouldn't drink anything, wouldn't go to the bathroom, wouldn't eat. Like, I would put on music and just go. And I haven't had one of those days in a while, but they do. They come every once in a blue moon. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. So, but on the regular day, if somebody orders something, I, you know, obviously, like, with the motivation of them wanting it and stuff, I am able to get it done. Is there a fire near you? Did someone get shot? What's going on over there? <laughs> I live by a busy street, and yeah. Okay. Hawaii's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it. Speaking, all right. Kind of going to go off topic since, you know, go you said it. Hawaii's crazy. Last, go for it. Last year, two years ago, there was like a like a warning that Hawaii was about to be <laughs> struck by missiles or something like that. Can you explain yeah. to me what that was? Like, what was going on on the island? Like, how how was that? It was chaos. It was literally, like, it, the world was ending for a good <laughs> ten minutes. Honestly. Because, like, we, we've been warned we're the closest part of the U.S. that whoever can hit. Whichever one of our enemies wants to hit. Right. <laughs> right? So, you know, we... Some of our professors, it's, like, supposed to be in the syllabus, like, what happens in that situation. But none of us ever took it seriously. Obviously, being college kids, like, the F the missile, like, the fuck? When yeah. is that going to ever happen? Right. But it was it was a Saturday morning. I remember this day so freaking vividly because it was so shocking. I was asleep. I was, It was an off day or we didn't have practice in the morning. So I was, like, dead asleep. I woke up to that, like, so, like such, like, a traumatizing noise. You know, that Amber Alert? Yeah. Like, oh, Jesus. It gives me the creeps. And it was, like, ballis ballistic, ballistic missile warning. Like, this is not a drill. Like, seek shelter. This is not a drill. Like, in all caps, this is not a drill. I was like, God damn. So right. I called my friend. And, um... She was like, yeah, I don't know. And our group chat was blowing up. Like, our poor freshmen were absolutely <laughs> not even comfortable with the place yet. And now it's getting blown up. Like, right. <laughs> so everybody was like, stay inside. But there were kids. There's videos. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. There's videos of kids, like, sprinting across the street, like, uh, like on campus especially. Because, like, you know, by the dorms, there's hella kids. So right. everybody just, like sprinting to like there's two auditoriums that are underground that are apparently like safer than the dorms which i don't believe <laughs> but um everybody was like trying to sprint like people were carrying their pets people were like had cats on them like buckets of water like it was chaos and then like 24 minutes later 40 something minutes later like, somebody sent out another alert and it was like that was a mistake like, it like, it's okay. But like, how how that mistake was like life altering for everybody for a good twenty minutes. Like, not to be dramatic, but that's you know. Right. It was crazy. But I called my mom and like I kept my cool. My roommates were absolutely off the shit. So like one of them like came sprinting to my door, like like pounding on my door. This like creepy dorm right 
just freaked me out. And she's like pounding, crying, Taylor, open up. Oh my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> I was like, okay, like chill, like put some clothes on, like maybe grab some water. Like, I think I'm going to stay here. Like all of my stuff is here. Like we can survive here for a minute, like run the bathtub. Like it's going to be cool. And I called my mom and she was at the airport and she's like, there's like the airport's still up and running. Like there's no way that that is happening. So I was like, okay, it gave me a little peace of mind. Because mm-hmm. obviously, like, LAX would definitely be shut down, like, immediately once that got out, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, it was it was straight chaos. And a bunch of people got in accidents. Like, I'm sure there's videos somewhere of traffic or just the crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> insane i don't know what i do you probably handle that a lot better than i think i would i'd probably spaz out you know do some things i shouldn't do right before i think i'm about to die you know all this crazy shit well I'm, that's crazy but uh if that would have happened my freshman year i for sure would have <laughs> I, I don't even know <laughs> yeah well how do how do you even prepare for a time like that what what is like i don't even know how to react how to prepare any of that yeah, I mean, they sent out emails the following few days of, like, preparedness directions, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, keep extra water, keep extra food. Because, like, if a missile does come, we can't go outside for, like, two weeks because the radiation is so, like, gnarly. Right. Hmm. So... <laughs> We'd be trapped inside for a few weeks. Um, I don't really know. Yeah. I have water because there was a hurricane warning. That we're supposed to get a Category 5 hurricane in uh, August of this year. And that that was scary because <laughs> like, that wasn't man-made. That wasn't right. It's a, little more a missile coming at us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. Well, so I've leftover water from that little scare. I have like tomato soup and some like canned stuff, but yeah, what can you really do to be prepared? For it, exactly. Like yeah. <laughs> if I can do art for a few days before I die, I'll be cool. Like, yeah. have some tomato soup and call it call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the topic, you know, before they were famous. You're currently a 21-year-old 20, undergrad student. When do you graduate? Next spring. Graduates in the spring of 2020. And you have your own business up and running. Is that correct? Yes, I do. Would you like to? I got do- my business license. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. I did not Thank know you got you. a license. Tell me how you went about Thank that. Uh, what, what was the process? What gave you the ideas? Who are you selling to? What are you selling? Just dive right into it. Um, so I, I like did the actual paperwork in November, like right around the time where I left the team. Um, I was like in a very low place because losing your identity through sport is a very overlooked issue. I feel like, yeah, I agree. And I didn't think that I would have a problem with it because I had kind of an alternate like person to fall back to. Like being an artist, that that gives me identity of some sort, you know? Like, I thought I would be cool, but it was really hard. Yeah. And I was, like, really struggling. So my mom ended up coming out and 
Like, you know, we went surfing. It was therapeutic, like, bluttered freaking soul. Um, but she was like, okay, like, what's the next step? Like, what can we do? Like, what, what do you want to do now? Like, you know, that's over and done with. Like, we can mourn it, but, like, what steps can we take to put you in the right direction? And I was like, honestly, like, I, like, I want to get a website. I want to like make shit official mm-hmm. and she was like okay and we did our research and I applied for a business license and I got it and I have taxes now and that absolutely scares the shit out of me but it's okay and um yeah I just have my prints up there well I have my <clears throat> excuse me my portfolio up there of like all my stuff and I'm still trying to figure out a more organized way to present it because there's just a lot of stuff like I just uploaded everything I've ever done basically and just you know for the passerby looking for something special and if one of my old pieces inspires them or connects something that they want created like that that's my goal like just to make stuff personalized for everybody you know I my mom is trying to like help me she's like my business partner basically and she Mm -hmm. keeps telling me you know like print more stuff like do more prints like just so you don't have to like work every single time somebody orders something personalized but I find so much joy in meeting people's needs with something that they see but they can't physically do with their hands you know so Um, that's been super fun. I've done a lot of like wedding pieces and like couple photos and, um, stuff on wood. And I've had a few, honestly, like just random people order some stuff and take a chance. And they've been absolutely overwhelmed, overjoyed. And that is the best feeling. Right. So my, my question is for Amina. I don't know who the hell is going to listen to this, but for those young, <laughs> upcoming entrepreneurs, like, how the fuck do you get your name out there? Like, how did you get your business out there? How did people find you? How did people start hitting you up? All that stuff. Um, like, art world, I just, I do Instagram ads, honestly. They're, like, you can spend, like, five bucks for, like, three days in Target, you know, Mm-hmm. 8,000 people, which I think is worth it. And I've had a few orders come from that. Um, so that I feel like is a good place to start. Um, I'm looking at a few Instagram pages that have a few hundred thousand followers that kind of show, you can like, you know, they have a PayPal and it's like $10 for a post. And if you get a thousand likes, you get another post for free. And that kind of, you know, just like networking like that is really important. I'm still trying to get my name out there. Like I'm not doing as much work as I want to do and I'm still not doing all the work that I have assigned to me, which is fucked. But (laughs) I like, I do this. This is all I want to do, you know? And I know that I'm made to do this. So I'm trying to manifest that like into the world and being proactive with my social media as much as I don't like social media. It's part of my business. So I need to stick with that and um yeah just like the little things I've done a few art shows um just like on some Friday nights downtown um 
Yeah, I don't know. Tattooing gets wait. We haven't even gotten by... into the tattooing. Oh, okay. I was gonna say that's word of mouth, but we're, we're unlike not... art. So there's an old saying that goes, "You gotta spend money to make money." Do you believe in that? Oh as gosh, an yeah, and it's painful. <laughs> it's painful. But how much money I do just... you think you would spend, like, on a normal? Let's say someone hits you up, they want you to create, you know, five by twelve canvas, um, and it's you know decently detailed. How how much do you have to spend, and how much are you charging in order to make a profit? Um, well, canvases aren't that expensive, but paintings are really time-consuming, and especially, like, with the detail. I, I don't think I would take up a big painting right now, just because, like, my, I know my time doesn't allow for that. Like, my availability, like, I wouldn't be able to finish that in, unless they gave me a few months, but mm -hmm. I think I would put it off until the last few days anyway. Um, Spoken like a true but, college student. What'd you say? Spoken like a true college student. <laughs> I mean, that's how I get shit done, honestly. And if that's the way it is, then I can stress out for a few weeks and get it done in a few hours, you know? Yeah. Um, but paintings, I think I have up... I don't even think I have paintings up on my website, but anywhere from, like, 40 to 60 bucks comparing sizes. But, um... Yeah, it'll take me a few hours. Paint. I put a lot of effort into my paintings because I'm a perfectionist when it comes to that stuff. Um, but yeah, so I get I get paid for the time, not the actual the product. Yeah. Yeah. So are you like a if you fuck up here, it's not a straight line here, or it's not the colors not shaded here. Are you a a doer over, or do you just try and finesse it and make it work? Oh, I make it work. Oh, I for sure make it work. I for sure make it work. Uh, there's, I have, like, mini freak-out moments. Like, I'll be drawing, and like, I don't really notice it, but a part of it will not be the way I want it to be, and, like, I'll, like, twitch my... I'll start twitching, and, like, I'll, like, do stuff with my hair and, like, my nose and my glasses, and, like, I have to, like, really, like, take a step back. I'm like, okay... I'm, this is just, I'm just drawing, like, it's cool, like, I have to put myself back in check sometimes. Right. Yeah, yeah, so this whole... But I am a perfectionist, like, oh. final product, I think I'm done, and I'll let it dry, and I'll end up working on it for another hour. Yeah, I mean, a lot of artists are like that. <laughs> a lot of artists yeah. are not satisfied with the first outcome, and they like to go back and make, you know, different edits, and, you know... Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But if it's it, it's it. And yeah. if somebody doesn't like it, I don't give a fuck. Like, that's it. <laughs> I've had some people, like, I, they've asked for tattoo designs, like, like, one through five. I need one through five on this list. And I do it, and, like, it's so, like, like some dope shit. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, but, like, can you just change that, like, one? Like, No! No, right. I cannot. Yeah, I mean, once like you, if it's once perfect in my it, eyes. Yeah, exactly. That's all that matters, really. And yeah, if it looks good, there's not really much to complain about. It's not like you sit there and you drew a dick on them, you know. It, it's something yeah. they wanted. <laughs> it looks good. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now, since you kind of jumped forward a little bit, I kind of want to get into, you know, tattooing. Where did this come from? How did it start? I know. 
tattooing is in the, you know, imagination, creativity, art side of things, the art business, but, like, what inspired you to say, hmm, let me go get a fucking needle and see if anyone wants some ink, you know? Well, I've always done designs, and I made a super dope one for my best friend, and I sent it to my mom, and she called me, and she was like, you're such a bitch, like, you're, what can't you do, da 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 like, <laughs> I was like, okay, like, calm down, and she was like, no, I'm sick and tired of this, like, you need to buy a gun already, like, you're, like, this is too good, mm-hmm. I was like, what, like, like, who am I talking to, <laughs> it was so weird, but I, like, stopped, we both kind of stopped, and I was like, really, <laughs> she was like, y- yeah, so I was like, okay and like that was the end of the conversation i went on amazon and i found a kit for like 50 bucks and i used that for probably two weeks and then i realized how shitty the needle was and how shitty the rotary like worked it just it it's horrible and it was so loud and i was sick one time i remember this was like right when i was like i need to either stop doing this or change my material because I was sick it was right before I left for a trip with my team and I did somebody's like I did a detailed something but I was like I was up on them like in my the machine was right near my ear and Mm -hmm. I was already sick and I woke up the next morning and I couldn't hear out of my ear and it was partially because I was like congested and shit but like I like I for real could not hear and I was like okay I was like I'm like I'm done I'm not going to use that anymore. I put it in the trash can because I was like, this is like, no. (laughs) And then Black Friday rolled around and I got, I splurged on a machine and got some good needles and it was easier. And it just took off from there. (laughs) Um, You asked me about the research I did for machine. How the fuck does that work? Because I mean, like you talk like, Oh, this rotary was a piece of shit. I mean, I've been... You've seen me. I'm super tired, and I can't tell the difference between a shitty rotary and a shitty needle versus a good rotary and a good needle. Yeah. I I honestly... There's so much to learn, and there's so much... It's a different language, honestly. And I still don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And I went into the um, like supplier place when I was home for Christmas, and... I I tried to walk in there and, like, I really tried to know what I was saying and sound smart, but, like, the girl ended up, like, being empathetic with me, and she was like, no, I, I don't really know the names either, like, it's okay, and I was like, okay, cool, so, like, you know, people that start off are all on the same page right. of it being a completely different language, um, but yeah, I just had a friend back home that did my first few and he had a bishop rotary i i don't know it's out of southern california mm-hmm. so um and they were having a black friday sale so i was like you know what fuck it <laughs> and i bought one bought so one. so like yeah as you got started were they small pieces and they worked their way into big pieces Less detailed than the detail that you just dive right in and you just hit a detailed piece right off rip. The first one I did was a pretty detailed rose, and on the stem it said "brave," I think, or "bravery." Mm-hmm. And it took me almost an hour, and it 
was like three inches long. <laughs> Just because I didn't know the depths of like how deep I was supposed to go into the skin or like how it was supposed to feel like in my hand. And I didn't know how that person was feeling. So it was just, it was an uncomfortable situation, but I knew that I was able to handle it. So I was confident enough to hold it and go for so it. And it turned out huh, good. Wait, 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 wait. So there's like, what? you said you didn't know how deep you had to go. You didn't know how you had to feel it in your hand. Pause. I don't like, how do you... What does that mean? I didn't know there was such a, a deeper connection to tattoos than just poking someone with a needle. What what does all that mean? Yeah, I mean, because you don't want to stab them to the bone, you know? Mm -hmm. And the feeling of the machine, well, obviously, like, the needle, like, it's just the needle going up and down. Mm -hmm. So it has a vibration, and, like, being able to hold that and be confident in your hand staying still while that thing is jumping in your hand is scary and it takes a while. So I was like, it was scary the first time. Cause I, you know, that it's a machine like that's permanent shit. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, and I'm very like, I'm good with my hands obviously. So it's like, I paid attention to the way things worked when the ink would show up and like sometimes it wouldn't and it, it honestly was trial and error <laughs> yeah I mean, for the first few yeah but they all turned out good it just took longer than you know somebody that knew what they were doing would take right right so as that started to come along and people were spreading your name did this business pick up how's this tattoo business going for you where do you plan to take it in the future you just doing it as a hobby like what are your goals with tattooing if I can tattoo forever, I will. I think it's dope. And the connection that I get to make with people while it's just us two, like, doesn't matter who else is in the room, but that's, that's a very intimate thing. Yeah. Like, being able to trust me and me being able to trust myself and that person to, like, stay still and, like, handle the pain and, like, it being reciprocated, obviously. So, um... Yeah, it's been cool, and I've learned a ton, and I feel like I've picked it up pretty well. Mm -hmm. So if I can learn this much in this amount of time, I think that I could, like, own some shit. Right. So like, And there's not many women in the tattoo industry, and I think that's really badass that there are some, and I want to be one of them. Yeah, <laughs> and I am. Cool. Yeah, so. you are. <laughs> You're making your little headspace, you're wiggling in there, so that's that's cool. Yep. As far as your tattoo, like, what is your plan as far as coverage? Like, how how covered do you want to be? I I didn't really want to be covered for the longest time, but I got my side piece. I have my shark jaw and flowers that I got out on the limb the day that the category five hurricane was supposed to hit because there there's a tattoo place across like literally across the freeway from my place i walked there while a hurricane was supposed to hit <laughs> and and i just follow one of them on instagram and he posted like yo i had six cancellations today like i'm trying to make some money like if you like if you want some ink come through like i'll give you a good deal mm 
<laughs> I wasn't doing shit anyway. Practice was canceled. School was canceled. Right. I was alone. Like, the fuck? So I was like, yo, I'm going to come through. Like, what time do you have open? And he was like, oh, come over right now. And I I just talked story with them for probably an hour. And they're like, okay, you talk a big game. Like, we get it. You're badass. But, like, are you going to get some ink? Like, what are you getting? And I honestly didn't even know. And I looked through my um, camera roll. And I drew the shark jaw and, like, put – it was the flowers and shark jaw were separate. And I ended up putting them together. And mm-hmm. I wanted it on the back of my arm. So it wasn't that big. But, like, it was still there. And – like all six artists were like, fuck no, like this needs to be big. Like this is a badass thing. Like it needs to be bigger. Like put it on your side. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, like I don't want it. Like that's a weird placement for like such a big piece, like in the middle of my ribs, you know? So I put two and two together and put it like on my hip and like, it's, it's fucking big. And the artist that did it was like, if you were to go to any other place and have this designed and like, sit down with the artist and like all that. He said it would probably be around a thousand bucks and I got it for 200. Wow. Yeah. So it was like a cool experience, really cool conversation. And I think I want to be covered for the connection and like the hands to shake in the process. Right. Right. Sort of like networking in a way. Yeah. yeah, but, like, with with my people, you know? Like, mm-hmm. if I click with somebody, like, I want your art on me, you know? Right. And that's, yeah, that's, like, some intimate stuff. It is. Now that you say that, I really never thought about how intimate it is to sit there and, you know, for shit. My longest session was three and a half hours for my chest, and yeah. I was sitting down on someone's kitchen table in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, <laughs> And it, it's weird. So the conversation, the the way it happens is I'm like a freshman in college and get down, lay down. I'm like a freshman in college and we're at this party and I'm I'm getting in free because, you know, I have a Vanderbilt ID. This guy walks up behind me. He's like, yo, go in and just do the pass back. So I go in and pass back. And he's like, you know, I do tattoos. I go to MTSU. I stay in Murfreesboro. If you ever want a tattoo, just hit me up. <laughs> So I drove out there one time, and I got my tricep done, and it's my adoption date down my right tricep, and it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it, and I was like, yeah, and his he charged me like 20 bucks for it, and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll come back to him. So, you know, I, I went around at first and went to shops. I was like, how much is this piece going to cost me? Like, it's a big Superman piece. It's detailed. It has rips in it, blah, 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 blah. People were like, 700 to $1,000, this and the third, and I hit my guy up. His name's Terry. Oh, my. He was like, yeah, no problem, bro. I'll do that for 300 You just got to come through this crib, and I'll do it on this table. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> so I go there. does my chest. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. And, like, we're, and then listen to this. Like, he blew up so much from tattooing in Murfreesboro and the Nashville area, and he was so into art. Like, dropped out of school, moved to L.A., and he's an artist in L.A., does That's tattoos amazing. in L.A. He does music, like. And we still talk to this day. It's it's so dope, the connection. Like, now that you say that, and I think back to the connection that I've made with him, the connection I made with my current tattoo guy, like, I posted something on my story about juvenile um, juvenile incarceration rates and the rate of recidivism. And we had, like, a two-hour conversation in my DMs about the rates of recidivism amongst youth offenders in Nashville. And it's just, like, it's so weird to hear, you know, when you That's see true. a tattoo artist, you're thinking, like, 
all right, yeah, this motherfucker is an artist. Like, they do art. That's all they do. Like, all right, cool. I'm coming in here. I'm going to plug my headphones in, and we're just going to fucking get to it. But, like, yeah, it's in, like, a conversation. You're you're learning about someone. You're It's just a bond that is so unmatched for something that's so, like, quick and impersonal, Personal. you know? It's like, but it's weird. It plays a role into both. Like, you hit somebody up, yeah, I want to come through, get this tattoo. All right, come next week. Boom, you're there, right? You have no priors with this person. You know yeah. nothing about them. And then within the first 30 minutes, you feel like you're fucking best friends. Yeah. Yep. That's really cool. I never really thought about it in that aspect. But yeah. Yeah. So usually my podcasts go from like, I've had one that was 38 minutes. Uh, my first one was like 45. I think this one's running on an hour. And I like to end it around these times and... My thing is, is there anything you want to, like, shout out to the people that are going to listen? Something to look out for, like an Instagram page, you know, a tattoo shop you plan on opening in the future. Anything you want to shout out? Go ahead and shout it out. Oh, geez. Um, I wish I had some plans like that, but um, hopefully in the near future, around graduation, I'm looking to, like, settle down and, like, open up. A place so fingers crossed for that um yeah instagram is tay donahue art dot by tay is my art instagram my website is created by tay.com um yeah i don't really know i'm just i'm doing my thing and i want people i don't want people to appreciate my art i want people to see color and i want people to look at some pretty shit that makes them smile so (laughs) as long as uh, i I can appreciate that because it's not you know it's not for the money it's for the aspect of people to open up a different side of themselves that they never thought they had and that's something i can appreciate i can understand at first if it's for the money because you know you're a college student you know college students struggle so i mean for the money yeah i respect that but as you grow and your platforms expand i think that doing it just for the love of other people enjoying art is something that is really dope so like I make no money for this, but the people that I send podcasts to, they fucking love it. They're just like, you're such a good interviewer. You ask great questions. I feel the vibe yeah. and I'm not even there. It's just like that the fact that I can make you smile, I didn't see it, but I know that I made you smile or I made you think about some shit over something simple that I love to do. It's just that's all I need, really. Yep. So, Feelings yeah. are powerful and a lot of people don't like them. And I... I love them, yeah. so I want make I want to make people feel more of it. <laughs> yeah. So, you heard it here first. Tao Donahue, former collegiate athlete, now running her own business. Do you have it? Wait, isn't it LLC or is it just right? Oh, I have no clue. No, no. Okay. <laughs> running her own business. You heard it there. Art by Tay or created by Tay, whatever you want to go look at and follow. If you're in the Hawaii area. Go ahead and hit her up. You know, great ink. I have ink on me to show you for. Um, tail down here, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the good questions and good conversation. I appreciate you and your support always. Of course, of course.